Hallelujah. We thank God you have tuned into this message by David Entry at Caris Church. No hand can help you with the fulfillment of your destiny but the Word of God. May God hand align with you further into your destiny through this Word. I'm going to read from two scriptural references. The first one is going to be from Joel chapter 2 verse 28. And then the second one is going to be from Acts chapter 2 verse 33. Joel 2.28, let's all read it. doesn't matter your translation. Just read it as you see it. Let's all read it out loud. Let's go. And it shall come to pass afterwards that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see vision. Shall we read it out loud again? Let's go. And it shall come to pass afterwards that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your old men shall dream dreams, your young men shall see visions. Acts chapter 2, verse 33. I'll read the verse 32, then we all read the 33 together. This Jesus has God raised up, whereof we are all witnesses. Let's go together. Therefore, being by the right hand of God exalted, and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has shed this forth. See and hear. Amen. Amen. Father, thank you so much for giving us the privilege to come together for the hearing, for fellowship and hearing your word. Your word says that faith comes by hearing. We pray that as we hear your word, let this hearing produce faith. That will help us to walk with you more, serve you better, and be a blessing to our generation. We thank you. As I teach your word, grant me utterance. Let me not just dish out human ideology. Let me speak the that says the Lord. Let me speak the prophetic word of God. Let me speak your rhema into our lives, into families, into situations, into communities, into cities, and into this generation for the accomplishment of your divine economy. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. 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 Amen. Amen. Well, today I want to talk about the pouring of the Spirit. The scripture we read in Joel chapter 2. It's a very powerful scripture, which was a promise of the Father. In fact, many years ago, many years before Christ, there was a, a great man of God who is so significant in the agenda of God, New Testament um, worshippers, or New Testament scriptural authorities used to refer to the entirety of the Old Testament scripture by his name. I mean, Moses. Moses was so powerful, they used to call, sometimes they would call Moses, as Moses said. And they are talking about the Old Testament. They referred the entirety of the Old Testament sometimes as Moses. Sometimes they referred to it as Moses, the law, and the prophets. But Moses was such an important personality 
in the programming and God's agenda on earth, uh, or the unfolding of God's purpose on earth for the building of a people for himself. Moses, Jesus had discussed with the Jews and they, they said, we are Moses' disciples. And he said that if you are Moses' disciple, you believe me because Moses wrote about me, John chapter 5. That's a very interesting. Jesus said, Moses, whatever Moses was writing is really about Jesus. Ah. Jesus said, Moses, John chapter 5, it says that, for had ye believed Moses, you would have believed me. Why? Because Moses wrote of me. Ah. So you won't. There's something Moses was doing that was pointing and it's in its entirety was pointing to Jesus. Now, so if you want to know the extent to which God wants to go with humanity, so long as God's eternal plan was concerned, the written document of God, you, you can't ignore what Moses had to say. Moses spoke about Jesus. And Moses told them in Deuteronomy chapter 18 that God will raise a prophet like me unto you. So Moses was a prophet. So verse 15 and verse 18. He said, God will raise a prophet. That the Lord our God will raise up unto thee a prophet from the midst of thee, of thy brethren, like unto me. Prophet like me. And so the Jews who knew the dealings of God expected a certain prophet coming like Moses. But Moses also said, you know, there was a time in, Num- I think, Numbers chapter 11. Yeah, Numbers chapter 11, from verse 17, when God told Moses, bring the 72 elders, and I will take the spirit that is upon you, and I will put it upon them so they can do the job with you. It take, that, that tells you, take the spirit of God to do the work of God. It's not just physical ability and goodwill. Goodwill is not good enough to be in a position to be used by God or to do the work of God. It takes the Spirit of God. So he said, I'll take the Spirit on you and put it on them. Then when they came together, the Spirit of God came upon the people who were there. But two didn't make it. They were still in the tent. And then because they were part of the fraternity, the Spirit that came upon the, those in the tabernacle, the Spirit visited them. But there remained two of the men in the camp, and the names were Eldad, and the name of the other was Medad. And the Spirit rested upon them, and there were of them that were written, but went not out unto the tabernacle, and they prophesied in the camp. So Moses' assistant went and saw them prophesy. And then he came and told Moses, look, these guys were not part. And then ran a young man and told Moses and said, Eldad and Medad do prophesy in the camp. Verse 28. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of Moses, one of the young men answered and said, My Lord, forbid them. They are not supposed to be part of it because they didn't come into the meeting. They are not supposed to flow in it. Forbid them. And then Moses, the prophet, dropped something so strong, which has reference. Moses said, unto him, do you envy for my sake? Would God that all the lost people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit upon them? Moses said that, don't stop them, don't be worried. They are not with me and they are prophesying. God's original intent and plan and desire is that his spirit will come on all 
people. Moses spoke about it. And Joel, the prophet, Joel chapter 2, picked on it. And he said, it shall come to pass in the last days. That was a prophet. That was a promise of God. Say the Lord. It wasn't Joel who was saying. God was speaking through Joel. Which Moses picked on in the days of Moses. Joel, now God speaks through Joel and says that, it shall come to pass in the last days that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. It had not been, it's, it's been unheard of that God pours his spirit like mass production. No, it comes on Moses. It comes on a Joshua. It comes on a Samson. It comes on a Gideon. It comes on an Elijah. It comes on an Elisha. It comes on a Zechariah. It comes on Amos. It comes on Ezekiel. It comes on David. It comes on individuals and Aaron. It comes on them for the job. It comes on them for the job. It comes on them. But God said the time is coming. That is not just coming and going. It's going to be mass production. I'm oh, I'm going to pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Shout hallelujah. And that was a promise. Say, that's a promise. God is full of promises, and when he promises, he doesn't fail. And, but that was one of the most significant promises in Scripture. And God said, I'm going to do it. As I spoke last week, the Spirit gets poured. It's not just dropping on, upon somebody. It's pouring like pouring water from a bucket. There's a difference between pouring water from a bucket onto somebody or uh, giving somebody water to drink from a cup or bottle. It's, there's a difference between drinking water from a bottle and a water being poured. When someone drinks water, you might not even notice they've drank water. But when water gets poured on somebody, you see that they poured water on them. That's what I spoke about last week. The two aspects of the spirits in the believer. The inward working and the outward working. The inward working is necessary for your identity as a child of God. Why? For the life of God. So Romans chapter 8 verse 2. For the law of the spirit is a spirit of life. You can't be born again without having that spirit of life. Romans chapter 8 verse 9. If you don't have the spirit of Christ, you are not, you are not of Christ. So what makes you a child of God and what makes you of Christ is the spirit of Christ that inhabits you. It is the fact that you are indwelt by the spirit of God. The spirit of God dwells in man. That was not possible before the resurrection. That was not possible until Christ has gone to the the cross and paid the price and taking away the sins of the world. Now the spirit can be poured out on God's people. And when you read scripture very carefully, you keep coming across the word Paul in relation with the spirit. Isaiah 44, 3, I will pour. Isaiah 32, 15, I will pour. In, we saw in Joel, in Mark chapter 1 verse 8, in Acts chapter 2 verse 4, you, you keep seeing how the Spirit is poured, poured on people. In Acts chapter 10 particularly, verse 45, they were surprised that the Holy Spirit has been poured on the Gentiles. Ezekiel 39 verse 28, Spirit is poured. And Titus chapter 3 verse 6 said, which he has poured 
on us, talking about the spirit of our regeneration has been poured. So you can you see from scripture the act of pouring of the spirit of God upon human beings is poured out. You can have the spirit poured out on you and be dry. No, you get wet when it's poured on you. So the two aspects, the essential aspect of the spirit is you need the spirit to live the life of God, just to live a life of God. So to be a child of God, you just need the spirit. But to work for God is not now the spirit that is just poured or that you have drunk and inside. You remember, as I said last week, Jesus said, whoever is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. That's getting inside you and out of your belly, you become effective for God by his drinking. Then he says that I will ask the Father in Acts chapter 1, verse 4 and verse 5. He told them that, Acts chapter 1, verse 4, he says that as they were assembled together, he commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father. This is a promise. And what is that promise? Which he says, you have heard of me, verse, verse 5. For John baptized with water, but you shall be baptized not many days from with the Holy Spirit. That's the promise of the Father. Now, it's not just being born again. He was talking to people who were born again. But this was about being poured, the Spirit being poured on them, which was a different dynamic. And so, the first receiving of the Spirit is the essential, it's so essential for your life as a child of God. But the second receiving of the Spirit is for your function as a worker for God. You are working for God. You need the Spirit upon you. And that one is upon you. The first one is in you. The second one for the work is upon you. As I explained, it's like your uniform. Now, I need you to understand something very, very carefully. Jesus Christ was with his disciples. For how long? Yeah, yeah, I know people are thinking now. Three and a half years. Do you know how long it takes for a regular, proper educational training, graduate to be a master in a subject? How long does it take? Masters? Okay. Undergraduate? Then masters? One, generally speaking. So, University education, regular university education to be a master in something, how long? When you study history, it takes four years to always prepare a person, a man, or a people, a woman, a, anybody. Four years of full, regular education, preparation, training. It takes four years to prepare them to be an authority on this subject. Four years. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John was three and a half years of training. So when Jesus died, he hasn't finished because he's left with three, half years. <laughs> Six months, half a year. <laughs> but Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, how about early days? You have to, you, you need um, the nursery, and then reception, and then year one to year six, right? And then year seven to year 11. And then depending on, you can do A-level year 
12 and 13 or college or apprenticeship or IB, right? There's something about four years. It's, it's not just whiling away time, you know, to keep that. People take their children to nursery to keep them busy because, no, it's not that. When you talk about real training to be a master, it's, it's four years. But the pre one is just to prepare you to be trained. So, okay, before Matthew, Mark, look at John for that period of training, what was happening? That's nursery from Genesis to Malachi. It was the nursery stage, it was the reception stage, it was the year one to six stage, years seven to 11 stage, year 12 and 13 stage. Before the real thing, all that one was just preparation. That's why what Moses said mattered. God was using all those periods to prepare before Jesus comes to now train human beings. Oh, I feel like preaching. <laughs> before Jesus came. So Jesus came to people who have finished year 13. <laughs> they have finished, so to speak. They have finished their year 13. They have finished their A-level. Ready for proper training. That's why the Bible says that, Galatians 4.4, in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son, born under the law. There, it, was, it was waiting for a certain time. The time was not matured yet. Somebody has not finished year 12. They have to finish year 13 before we introduce them to university. And so Jesus had to wait for his disciples, for the world, for humanity, to finish year 13. Then he came now to get humanity, to prepare them and train them for the masters. How about PhD? That's in epistles. <laughs> so, what is the situation now? Pastor, what's, uh, what's all this educational? Because people need to be trained. People need to be trained. Jesus trained them, but he didn't train them for four years. He trained them three and a half years. They walked with him. They saw him cast out devils. They saw him exercise patience, love, heal the sick. They saw him calm the storms. They saw him raise the dead. They saw him do so many. They were learning from him. And they got to a time in their learning period. Peter said, uh, Jesus asked them, who do men say I am? Peter knew that you are the son of God because what you are doing, and as we study you, we realize that you are not an ordinary person. Even though you look 100% like an ordinary person, still there is some supernatural dimension about you. And we have concluded you are the son of God. Jesus said, flesh and blood has not revealed this unto you. Then shortly after, Jesus started to take them a bit higher, to tell them something higher about God's agenda. Peter couldn't take it. He was not ready. He wasn't ready. He took Jesus aside and started rebuking Jesus. Why are you going to die? It's not necessary. We are going to spoil all this program we have invested our lives in. And we also have vested interest in this thing, Jesus. When you become a king, some of us will get... That's why they, were dis... they used to discuss who will sit on the right hand, who is going to be here, who is going to be... They, they used to discuss that. These are petty things, but it was... Why? Because Jesus could teach them the heavenly things to a certain limited dimension. But the rest of it, he can't teach them from outside. They needed the four years, but the rest of the six months, he was trying to get them, but man cannot get to that level. That's why Peter took Jesus and started rebuking. And there were other instances that they were off, they got it wrong. P Peter said, I don't know him. 
He touched Jesus said, you deny me. He said, me? Matthew 26. He said, me? If everybody denies me, I will die with you. That same night, that's it. It wasn't like two weeks later. But Peter tells Jesus, me? It wasn't like only the two of them. The others were there. And he said, if everybody runs away, everybody forsakes you, he said that Peter said to him, I, I will die with you. I will never deny you. And then the other disciples said, oh yeah, me too, I just remembered. I won't deny you. The other... <laughs> Likewise also said all the disciples. So it wasn't only Peter. That same night, they all ran away and left him. And Peter denied him. See, how can you leave the building of the church to these people? Three and a half years, they are still underperforming. Because the level, what it takes for God to use you that, that, that dimension is not just being taught from the outside. Jesus said, now the rest of the work, it needs to be done from inside. So the remaining of the four years, after three and a half years, he said, the, the, little, the, the remaining part, I'm going to, I have to do it from inside after the resurrection. So he went into the grave. He came back after the resurrection, came to the disciples in John chapter 20, verse 22, and he preached, oh, I feel like preaching now. He preached on them and tells them, receive the Holy Spirit. So he entered them as the Spirit. The Spirit entered them from that time. And then, but do you know what happened? Let's, let's look at the text in Acts chapter 1. Hmm. Permit me to just indulge myself in Scripture. I'm going to a particular verse, but permit me to read two verses before that because sometimes it's just nice to just get to read the Bible. I just take advantage to read it, even if it's not going to say what I'm I just It's nice to just read it, you know. I love to read the Bible because faith comes by hearing. For Acts chapter 1, verse 1, the former treatise have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day in which he was taken up, after that he through the Holy Ghost had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen. To whom, watch this, we are coming to the verse three, to whom also he shielded himself alive after his passion, that means after his suffering, by many infallible proofs being seen of them, how long? Be seen of them 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom. So now he continued the teachings within the 40 days. After he had breathed upon them and started receiving the Holy Spirit, he continued the teaching within the 40 days. But why, why did he have to take 40 days? Because the training hadn't finished. The six months remaining, it, because the Spirit has entered them, it could be accomplished within 40 days. So he stayed with them in Acts chapter 10, verse 40 and 41. Jesus didn't resurrect and was hiding in a corner. God raised him up the third day and showed him how. His resurrection was not something in a corner. It was an open resurrection, but it was shown, verse 41, to those, 
not to all the people, but unto witnesses chosen before of God, even to us, who did eat and drink with him after he rose from the dead. He still ate and drank. It's a very interesting thing. After the resurrection, people saw him. He appeared in Mark chapter 16, verse 14. It talks about how he appeared to them. Afterward, he appeared unto the eleven as they sat at meat. That means they were eating. And unbraided them with their unbelief and hardness. He's, he appeared to them. He appeared to them. In John chapter 21, verse 1. John chapter 21, they were at the shore. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to his disciples at the sea of Tiberias. And on the wise, on, on this wise showed himself, showed himself. That's how he was appearing to them. And so in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 5, 6, 7, and 8. See how Apostle Paul puts it. 1 Corinthians. And that he was seen of Cephas, that's Peter. And of the twelve, this is after resurrection. I think to make sense, when we read the verse 4, it talks about how Jesus Christ, according to the gospel, according to the scriptures, he was buried. No, verse 4, let's take verse 4. He was buried, and then he rose again, and the third day, he rose again the third day, according to the scripture. Now, verse 5 says that, and that he was seen by Peter and the twelve. Then the twelve. Look at that. Let's go on. After that, he was seen of about 500 brethren at once. Over 500 people who were there, he showed himself to them at once. Of whom the greater part are still alive unto this. Some are dead, but the greater part are still, as I'm writing this, there are people who are alive who saw him. The next verse, verse 7, says that after that, he was seen of James, then of all the apostles. Then it says that, then also of me. Paul adds himself, verse 8. He said that, at last of it all, he was seen of me as one who was born out of Jesus. So, what I'm writing, what we just read in Acts, he showed himself after the resurrection to several people. But that doesn't need 40 days. What was happening within the 40 days? Because in Acts chapter 1, verse 3, it says that the 40 days, he talked with them concerning the kingdom. He spoke and is speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. In other words, there are things that he continued teaching which he didn't teach when he was alive, physically. When he was in his physical body, he didn't teach some things. It was after the resurrection he started teaching some things. Because after the resurrection, now for the first time in human history, human beings can receive the spirit because their sins have been taken away. So he breathed upon them, they received the spirit, and then from that standpoint, began to teach them, and they began to get a lot of things more. No wonder when the Holy Ghost came, Peter was able to interpret it. He didn't just interpret it by saying that, this is, you know, Jesus said it will happen. No, he said, he interpreted it from scripture. And in that short preaching, he quoted five different scriptures without going to read. This thing was repository in them. They have been so trained that when the Holy Ghost came, they were able to articulate it from Scripture to the Jews. Because what he was talking about, the Jews were familiar. That's why I was talking about before university. God has been telling them about all these things. So now they could explain it to the people from the Scripture. Because outside of Scripture, they can't explain it to them. Because, you know, how can you explain 3 times 15 equals to 45? to someone who has never been taught. 
It doesn't know numbers. But if they know numbers, then you can make what they know as a point of reference to be explained. You see, this is what it says, this is what it says, this is what it says. So Peter now was using scripture because that was the preparatory stages for, of God, for humanity. Before Jesus came to now teach them the deep things of God. And then for three and a half years he was teaching them, but it couldn't be finished because he couldn't get them to get it because they don't have what it takes. It's not just an intellectual exercise. It's a deeper spiritual thing. So after the resurrection, he breathed on them and he spent time now talking to them about the kingdom, teaching them. And not only teaching them after resurrection, one of the things that he also did, as I mentioned in the previous teaching, that he, he taught them how to be accustomed to his presence without seeing him. Because all the three and a half years, they only saw him. They were used, they were working with this master who was always talking to them and they were having interactions. Now, he had to teach them how they could be used to his presence without physically seeing him. So, he would appear and eat with them and disappear. And they still know he was around. So, by the 40th day, they have become so accustomed to his presence without seeing him. His presence without sin. That's why he said, it is to your advantage that I go. Because I've been teaching you and been with you for so long. Now, the next stage before you graduate, if I don't go, you can't get it. So he had to go into death, pay for the sins of man, pave the way for the spirit of God to be able to come into man, resurrect, come unto them, and breathe unto them. Say, receive the spirit. And they receive it. And then from then, he began to be teaching them deeper things to make, their, to make sure they are masters before he leaves the building of the church in their hands, even though it was not primarily going to be in their hands. It was still going to be him doing. The building of the church is Jesus. He said, I will build my church. It's not the apostles, it's not the pastors, it's not prophets, it's not evangelists that build church. It is not teachers that build church. It is Christ himself, but he builds it with teachers who he has trained, with pastors he has trained, apostles he has trained, who have learned how to walk with him without seeing him. Walk with him without seeing him. Walk with him without seeing him. They walk with him without seeing him. And he, he prepared them and then he left. When he left, he went. He said he would come. Now he's going to come in a way that he won't be pinned down to one group of people because the church is big. Now, the scripture I read, Acts chapter 2, verse 33. Is someone, is someone getting what I'm saying? In Acts chapter 2, verse 33, it says that, therefore, being by the right hand, huh, Oh, thank you, Jesus. Therefore, being by the right hand exalted, which right hand are we talking about? The right hand of the Father, the right hand of majesty. Too many references. I don't want to go into that to show you the reference, but if you're a Christian, you've been a Christian for a while, you're, you, are, you should be aware that Jesus Christ resurrected and went and sat at the right hand of God the Father. Being at the right hand of God exalted, and what? Having received of the Father the promise of the Holy. So it was, he didn't receive, it was, it, ah, ah. Okay, I just didn't realize this will sound like the promise was the Holy Ghost who has promised. Holy Ghost's promise. No, it's the Father's promise. It's not the, it's not the Holy Spirit's promise. It's the Father's promise. Change 
to New King James so that the ghost can go. Because some people are quite sensitive about ghosts. <laughs> so, having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit. It's not like a promise the Holy Spirit made, but it's the promise of the Father that it's a time is coming, Joel chapter 2, that I'll pour out my Spirit on all flesh. Now watch this. I'm about to sh- share some things with you that is not... Um, if you have been in church for a while now, it's there, but maybe it has not occurred to you. Or it took a, a while for me to learn this. So it's not kind of conventional. Jesus Christ, I said something earlier on that everybody who must be used by God in God's actual programming agenda, his agenda is to build his people. Build, Jesus said, I'll build my church. Anyone who can be used by God must first, essentially, must be a, a child of God. You must have the life of God. God, God can use you to be building his house if you don't have his life. God can use you to, on a consistent basis to be doing his work if you don't have his life. Right. So the first and foremost we need is, is essential. It's like when someone is not able to go to school in our system, the authorities find out it's illegal to keep a child home when it's school days and you don't. But if the child is sick, it's understandable. What's the point in taking a sick child, a child who is unconscious? No child will be unconscious in Jesus' name. So the point is, essentially, the person must have life and be well before. Many people in UK, if they don't want to go to work, (laughs) when you phone in sick, they can't say, no, still, you have to come. You have to come. I mean, the hospital is going to tell you understand, boss. It's, get out from the hospital, you are supposed to be. No. The person must essentially be fit to come. In the same way, for you to do God's work, it's of, of essence that you must have the life of God. And so there is, watch this, there is this essential supply of the Spirit that makes you a child of God. And that is what happened when, when watch this, that's what happened when Jesus came from the grave, resurrected. He breathed on them essentially to receive the Spirit in them. First, that's more important before you could even continue their four-year program. And Bible says that he did that, he spared 40 days. It's an interesting, 40 signifies time of testing, suffering, or preparing time. So the children of Israel, they were in the wilderness 40 years. So 40 other years or days, it's a period of time. That's why in Matthew chapter 4, verse 2, Jesus was in the wilderness for 40 days. And he, he fasted for 40 days. It's a, before he started his ministry, it was a period of testing and preparation. Moses, before he got the commandments, in Deuteronomy chapter 9, verse 9, and verse 18, Moses was there. And when I was gone up into the mount to receive the tables of stone, even the tables of the covenant which the Lord made with you, then I abode in the mount 40 days and 49. In 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 8, Elijah went 40 days in the strength of the food. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 2, the children of Israel were, they spent 40 years in the wilderness. God says that. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 2, and thou remember all the way which the Lord, thy God, led thee these 40 years in the wilderness to humble thee and to prove thee. It's just to prove thee, to train you, get you ready. 
So Jesus Christ spent 40 days with the disciples, preparing them, testing them, making sure they've gotten it right. So you see, the, the remaining period of their four years was done in 40 days with the Spirit in them. That's very important. When the Spirit in you, you can capture so much. Theologians believe that how did Moses, listen to this, how did Moses, because it was Moses who, read, who wrote Genesis chapter 1, Genesis chapter 2, Genesis chapter 3, when the devil went to the garden, who was there? Nobody, because it wasn't Adam who said it. It wasn't Eve. So how did the person know? Moses. It's called the book of Moses. Everything that happened in Genesis we know about. It was Moses who wrote. Even many years before he was born. How did he know it? Did God school him? No. Theologians believe that when God said, I will show you my back part. Within that moment, a flash of God downloaded so much. Anytime you have encounters with God, sometimes it can be one minute, but it can download years. Like, you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. That's why encounters are important. Your one moment encounter with God will give you so much that it will take months to unpack. That's why almost every unique man of God will refer to a certain moment. He met God, or God, and he encountered God. And there was so much that was downloaded into that. The human spirit has the capacity, the propensity to receive so much, which it will take a lot, many years, for the mind to catch up with. So there are things that have been downloaded in our spirits, which as time goes on, our minds begin to, oh, okay. Okay, yeah, yeah, I knew it, but I didn't understand it that way. Now it makes sense because you were practicing it before you even knew it. You were convinced about it before you mentally could comprehend it. And so the 40 days he taught so much. But now, listen to this very carefully. Jesus Christ also, he had the spirit essentially, because I'm talking about human Jesus. When did he have the spirit? In Luke chapter 1, verse 35, it says that the Holy Ghost shall come upon you, Mary. And that's the child that you are about to be born. It's just, it's of the, the Spirit of God came into you. So Jesus was born of the Spirit. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, in fact, it's there. It says that your, Mary was found to be with child of the Holy Spirit. And then, now the birth of Jesus on this wife, his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph. Before they came together, she was found to be with child of the Holy Spirit. Do you see that? And then the angel appears to Joseph. He said, don't put her away because that thing that is, or is, is in her is of the Holy Spirit. So Jesus essentially received the Spirit for his assignment. He received the Spirit before he could even... Uh, then in Luke, Matthew chapter 3, verse 16, as he was being baptized, he received the... The one for the work. Do you understand what I'm saying? The Holy Spirit, because should, why should the Holy Spirit come? Because he already has the Holy Spirit. No, but to do the work, there are two aspects of the Spirit. The first one is the essential one. The second one is for God's agenda, the economic one. So you can work for God. It's like a uniform. You'll be working with God. So Jesus Christ, he said, watch this, in Luke chapter 4, verse 18. The, uh-oh, uh-oh. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Why? Because he has anointed me to free the God. Now he has come upon me to work, do the job. You, you need the spirit to do the work. You might be born again, but you need the spirit coming upon you 
to be able to do the work. Two aspects of the spirit, the essential one, and let me call the other one the functional one or the economic one, to do God's economy, to do God's work, the essential. Is someone getting what I'm saying? But I'm now trying to make sure I quickly come to a place where I can round up. Watch this. The text we read in Acts chapter 2 verse 33, it says, Jesus, let's look at it. Let's all read it from the screen. New King James. Let's all read it from the screen. Let's go. Of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out on Let's read it again, this time louder. Let's go. Therefore, being exalted to the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out this which you now see and hear. You would think, two things I want to draw your attention to, as I said, it wasn't the Holy Spirit who promised, it's God who promised. So he received from the Father the promise, and the promise was about the Holy Spirit in Joel. He received the promise. When? Not before resurrection. Not before ascension. Hmm. Going somewhere now. When he came from the dead and breathed upon them, that is post-resurrection breath, but pre-ascension. He hadn't ascended. That's why I told them, wait in Jerusalem. And after I told them to wait, he took them to the mount, and as he blessed them, he started ascending. And you remember I taught on the session. He sat in session. He sat in the place of power. Jesus Christ, when he was on earth, the human Jesus, he received the supply of the Spirit for his living in God, and then the supply of the Spirit upon him for his functioning in God. Remember that. He has already received. But it looks like from this text, when he resurrected, he received the Spirit again. Ah. Look at the text. Having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit. This is, again, the functioning dimension of the Spirit. He received again. So it looks like Jesus received three times. The essential one was one. But the function, uh, am I confusing you? Are you sure? It looks like the functioning one was twice. One was when he was on earth. And the other one was when he ascended into heaven. But now that he's in heaven, what do you need the Holy Spirit for? Not for himself. For his earthly body. So it wasn't just, listen, it wasn't just the Holy Spirit they received. They received Jesus. Jesus now came back on the earth as he poured himself as the Spirit upon the church. So, okay, let me, let me. He received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit. Bible said, which he has poured on you. All right. So he poured out his spirit. But is Jesus on earth here? Where's the body of Christ? Where's the body of Christ? Where's the body of Christ? Where's Christ's body? Christ's body is not apple. <laughs> we are the body of Christ. Uh. But the body of Christ can't exist without the spirit upon us. Uh. 
The promise was actually for the body of Christ. God's agenda on earth, God's plan on earth to build himself a temple, to build himself a house, to build himself a people, to build himself a representation on earth, not heaven. Here, heaven is fine. Here, God must have a house. Look at this, look at this. Let me just digress a little bit and come back quickly. In the book of John, don't take John's gospel for granted. John, someone say John. John opens up his gospel, not with nativity. He said it's, uh, it's too low. He said nativity is too The only person who was able to speak or write the things of God from before creation. Genesis, Moses started from in the beginning. John didn't start from, from in the beginning, that beginning. John started from, he said, in the beginning was. There was something that was before, the, oh, I feel like preaching. There was something that was before the beginning. John said, I want to take you further for the beginning. In the beginning was. Something has been existing always. Which does not go at beginning, so I can't go and start from its beginning. It's existed. What's the word? The word was with God. The word was God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was nothing made that was made. In the Him is life, and the life is the light of man. The light shines in darkness, and darkness comprehended not. There was a man sent from God. His name was John. He was sent forth to that bear witness of the light. He himself was not the light. He came to bear witness of that light, which is the life that is in the world from before the beginning. It's always the assistant. And watch this, verse 9. He said, it's the light that lightens every man that comes into the world. Verse 10 says that he was in the world. And the world knew him not. Verse 11 says that he came to his own. Ah, where did he come from? If he came to his own, where did he come from to his own? If you are telling me he's already in the world. So which part of the world was he? He must be with his own already. If he was in the world. He was in the world, not as a human being. By his presence, is, the word is also, has always been what has sustained everything created. The Bible says, sustains all things by the word of his power. He was in the world, and the world knew him not. He came to his own. His own received him not. That's now talking about his humanity. His own received him not. But as many as received him, oh, to them he gave the right to become the sons of God. Not of the will of man, not the will of flesh or blood, but by the will of God. Then verse 40 says, and the word became flesh. My goodness. This is too deep. John, this word that was before the world, now became flesh in the world. And we beheld him as of the only begotten. When we say it's only begotten, it's different. Only begotten. When we say he's begotten, it's not talking about he was born. Begotten doesn't mean he was born in the labor womb. The begotten of the father is the offshoot. It's like John chapter 1 verse 18. No one has seen God at any time. But the son, only begotten son, only son, who is in the bosom, he's like, he's so much one with God. He's God. He has defined God in the physical. He defined God to us. 
John. Then John begins to take it further. They came to ask him, uh, who are you? He said, I'm not the Messiah. Stop it. I'm not the Messiah. He said, there's one coming after me. There's one coming after me. He said, I'm, worthy. I'm not even worthy to undo this. He says, there's somebody coming. There's somebody who is greater than me. He's coming. Somebody's coming. That was his message. Somebody's coming. Then he was baptizing in the Jordan. Then he saw in the verse 29, John chapter 1 verse 29, he saw Jesus coming. He said, behold, the Lamb of... Ah, watch this. What is John's assignment? His assignment was to introduce Jesus. And he said, the one I'm about to introduce is a Lamb. He's a Lamb. He's the Lamb. That's the one coming. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of God. I told you, when you tell Jews the Lamb of God, they have done preschool, nursery. They have done reception. Year 1 to 6, year 7 to 11, year 12 to... They have done it. So when you said the Lamb of God, they knew the contest. Because God always said, most Abraham told them, God has prepared for him, who provide for himself a lamb. So they knew that. John comes and said, behold, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world. He said, I don't know him. I did not know him. But that will be manifested to Israel, therefore I came baptizing. He who sent me, I don't know him, but he who sent me told me, the one on whom you see the spirit, then John drops in the spirit issue. He is the one. So the Lamb of God is supposed to take away the sins of the world and still baptize with the Holy Spirit. Yes. John captured that in his introduction. He said, he is the one who baptized with the spirit. So now Jesus' major assignment after redeeming us is to baptize us with the Spirit. But that could not happen before his ascension. And his ascension couldn't happen before the resurrection. And the resurrection could not happen before his death. So his death was necessary. See, when Peter was blocking it, he didn't know what he was blocking. His death was necessary to warrant the resurrection. The resurrection was necessary to initiate the ascension. And once he's ascended and he's in session, as soon as the spirit cannot be poured unless he has sat down. When he sat down, he received the promise of the spirit. He took it because he's going to be the body on earth. It's the body that needs the spirit. That's why he didn't say, spirit, go. No. He said, Father, give me the spirit. The spirit comes upon him, and now what did he do? He shared himself, poured the spirit upon the church, upon his body, on the earth. Because for the body to do the work of God, the body needs the spirit. Shout out, hallelujah! He poured his spirit upon us. He poured the spirit upon us. He poured, oh, pour out your spirit upon us. Pour out your spirit upon us. Let me run up and tell you something. Let me show you something in the book of Ephesians. In the book of Ephesians chapter 1, verse 19 talks about how and what the seeding greatness of the power towards us who believe according to the working of his mighty power. Verse 20. Oh, it's getting interesting. Don't miss this, please. Don't miss this. Don't miss it. Which God worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated, watch this, the sitting has come here, seated him at the right hand in heavenly places, far above principalities and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. But look at it. Now, we get distracted, especially charismatic church, far above principalities and power, because that's, see, demons are so important to us. 
when we see, okay, show me where you say I can, I can clear a devil. Uh, yes. So we get, we, it's okay, it's okay because it's true now. It's true. He said, I give you power, to tr- authority to trample upon all the power of the enemy. In the book of Luke, chapter 10, verse 19, I give you authority. So it's good. And he said, nothing shall by enemies. It's good to have the power. Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I saw Satan. In Romans chapter 16, verse 20, he said, the Lord will bruise the devil. He will bruise Satan under your feet. God will crush the head under the feet of the church. Oh, come on. So it's okay to be excited about subjugating demons. But we are bigger than that. So he lifted him far above principalities and powers. Verse 22. And put all things under his feet. And then what? Gave what? God gave Jesus to be the head of the church. Where's the church? So it means that he gave the church Jesus so he can be there. So as we are here, Jesus has been given here. Do you understand what I'm saying? We are not on our own. For 40 days, for us to operate in our masters, for 40 days, he was teaching us how we can operate without physically seeing him. Because he knew he was going to still come back, but this time not in a physical body, but this time in an unseen body. So that we can be his physical body. And not only one man, not only two people, not only a community, not only one nation, but all around the world. The body of Christ is everywhere. The body of Christ is everywhere. The body of Christ is everywhere. And wherever the body of Christ is, he is there. Even though he's seated in heaven, he's now been poured out by us, the Spirit. He's been poured out on us. And he said, now, go into the world and preach the gospel. God has poured him. So he says that, and he, God gave him to be the head. Let's see how the Amplified puts it. Maybe he might put it a bit differently. Amplified. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 22. And he put all things in every realm, in subjection, under Christ's feet, and appointed him as the supreme and authoritative head over all things in the church. So as we are here, he is. New American Standard Version, or English, English Standard Version. Let's go to New American Standard Version. He put all things in subjection under his feet and gave him as head. I like this one. He gave him. But he seated there, but he has been given to us. Where are we? We are here. And we have been given? Yes. In what way? So when he poured the Spirit, that's why it's Jesus who had to receive the Spirit. So it looks like, listen, it, this is how it sounds to me like. He received the essential Spirit in the mother's womb. Then after John, John the Baptist baptism, the, the economic Spirit, the functioning Spirit came upon him. But after his resurrection and now he's no more in the physical body, he received the functioning Spirit again. So for the functioning of his body on earth, because his body is still here. That is why he received, and now as him the head, he begins to kind of, let me use this word, transmit himself, pour out. So when, why do you think when Paul, Saul of Tarsus, 
was killing the church, Jesus said, why do you persecute me? Excuse me, where are you? But you are supposed to be seated in heaven. Oh no, you got it wrong. I am here, but you don't see me. But my disciples know I am here. So as you hit a disciple, you have hit me. As you attack a church, those who like attacking churches, one of these days is going to come after your family. Those who like at using their position to pull down churches. Read Acts chapter 12, Herod. He was eating in session. He was in his regalia. He was in session. Open of parliament. He was there. Live everywhere. BBC was broadcasting. CNN was broadcasting. And he was posting about how no one can say. He was eating instant. Bible said an angel striked him. And worms, maggot, ate him there and he died there. So! <laughs> Saul! Acts chapter 9. Saul! Saul! You didn't even call him once. What are you doing, Saul? Saul! Saul! Why do you persecute me? You are biting more than you can chew. And he said, it is difficult to kick against the goats. To kick against the goats. They used to, horses, they have this like brakes. You know, some shopping centers or when you're not supposed to drive a certain way, they have these spikes. Yeah, they are goats. Those are brakes. Brakes. So they use that to protect people from going. So when a horse or the, the uh, animal, the oxes are plowing or the hogs, they sometimes they have goats so that it doesn't go the wrong direction. So when you go, the goat, the, but if you try to kick against goats, you are hurting yourself. And he said, Paul, what you are doing is difficult to kick against the goals. No human being can shut down a church. <laughs> it's difficult to kick against the goals. Why? Because I am the church. I'm not just seated in heaven. I am on earth, my body. And look at the scripture we read in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 22. He said, and he gave him to be an English standard version. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church. He, will, he gave him to the church as head. Look at what he said about the church. The next verse. Which, where's the body of Christ? Where is the body of Christ? Is it in heaven or on earth? The body is here. That's why we need him in his session to now operate in the body. That's why all of authority in heaven and earth is given to Jesus said. When you see a church, it's not just a group of gathering of people. No, it's more than that. It's more than that. It's the crucified Lord, or the incarnated Lord, who became crucified, who conquered death and resurrected and ascended into heaven and sat on the right hand of majesty and power and received the Holy Ghost. He is at work here. So when we talk about the Holy Spirit being poured upon the church, he's talking about, that's why Jesus said, I got to go, I got to go. First of all, I have to go into, the, into death so I can come back so you can receive the Spirit, then we can finish our graduate program. <laughs> so you guys can be masters on earth for the building of the church. 
then when I go, I'll receive and I'll come. That's why I said, it is to your advantage that I go. Because if I don't go, the comforter will not come. I have to go, I'll receive. And then at the point in time, he said, I will send him. But when you look at the text, he received from the Father the promise. And then now he himself poured this on us, as himself and as the Spirit. So when you see the Holy Spirit, you have seen Christ. The Holy Spirit never reveals himself. He only comes to reveal Christ. He's the persona incognito. Oh, you can never see him. Never pray, Holy Ghost, show me yourself. It's a very wasteful prayer. It's a, it's, that's a prayer that cannot be answered. Because the Holy Spirit cannot reveal him. He doesn't show himself. The Bible says that he will reveal Christ. That's why he's here. He's here as Christ. Another Christ in another form. <laughs> ah, I now get it. So there's no Holy Spirit. Yes, there is. He is here. But there's no difference between the Spirit and Christ after the resurrection. In 1 Corinthians 15, 50, 45 says that he became a life-giving spirit. He's here. When he say he poured himself on us, what are we talking about? He poured the spirit upon us. He poured himself as a spirit. So why do you persecute me? He is the body of Christ. Christ is the body. The church is the body of Christ. And Christ is the head of the body. It's littered everywhere in the PhD program. In the epistles. In the epistles. You can't read the epistles and not see that the church is Christ. So that's what I'm telling you. Don't let us only get stuck with the Christ in the Gospels. I was teaching some people and I told them that, please, remove Christ from the hand of this woman as a baby. He's not my baby. <laughs> you put him in the hand of a woman every time. You say, baby Christ, please. It's now the Christ ascended and living in the church. Remove him from the cross. He's no more on the cross. The tomb is empty. He has left the cross. Where is he? Now he's in the church living in the... Uh, 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 he's in the church. Do you understand why for 40 days was training them how to know how to live as a church without seeing him? And they transferred that knowledge, that impartation to churches, generation after generation. We need you, Lord. We need you, Lord. Come on, lift up your hands. Ask him to pour his spirit upon us. Thank you for listening to this message by David Entry. We pray you have been strengthened and enlightened. We can connect with David Entry on all relevant social media platforms, including Instagram and LinkedIn. You can also hear many more messages from David Entry on all relevant streaming platforms and the Carriage Church app. Don't forget to like and share the message. Be blessed.